you have to do anything in the interview? Did you have to uh, I did, um, demonstrate? Uh, all I had to do was, well, actually, he was very like sweet and respectful. He didn't really ask, except for me to, to you know, be in my underwear. Sure. But I said to him, do you need to see my dick? And he was like, okay. So, <laughs> like, so I went. I'm not going to say no, but like uh, not a requirement. But first, a word from our sponsors. Beducated.com teaches you real sex techniques using real people not just diagrams and pussy puppets. Get 70% off an annual membership with code MANHORE at beducated.com. That's code MANHORE at B-E-D-U-C-A-T-E-D.com. Or click the link in the show notes. Dogecoin to the moon? Ready to buy the dip? Start investing in cryptocurrency today with Coinbase. And you can get $10 worth of Bitcoin for free after signing up at manhorpod.com slash crypto. Come on, how much longer is this fiat thing going to last? Are you looking to start a podcast? Want to use audio as a marketing tool for your small business? Enjoy free credits when you use my promo code Billy at Libsyn.com. That's Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. Or click the link in the show notes. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Shout out to the daddy gays, baddie theys, queer babes, and stuck at home with the kids straights. This is Billy Persida, and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. I had something better for the breeders, but I thought stuck at home with the kids straights was way better. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the pod. This week on the show, I have got on actor, singer, and now author David Pevsner. He's got a, uh, a book out now called... Damn Shame, a memoir of desire, defiance, and show tunes. I very much like the ending of this interview. Uh, the way he signs off is very, <laughs> gave me a chuckle. Uh, but I'm going to share him with you in a little bit. Uh, first, I got an email listener question I want to want to go with first. Go with first. Billy, what are you fucking high? How do words go in order? Email, subject line, wife sharing. It's a nice, easy email. It's very simple. This man writes, hi, Billy. Do you know of any scientific explanation as to why men want to watch other men fuck their wife? I know I'm not the only husband with this fantasy. Any idea as to how common it is? Thanks, George. Well, uh, first I want to say that if you're interested in evolutionary psychology and non-monogamy theories, like in terms of like humanity, of like how we humans are supposed to be or not be when it comes to sharing our partners or not sharing our partners and how our, how we may be evolved or developed in such ways. Really, really recommend Sex at Dawn by Christopher Ryan. It's a bit dense. It's a bit of a heavy read. I'll be honest with you. But like, it really does map out like, you know, it's been a while for me. Maybe I need to reread this thing. It really talks about just like how we might have been less monogamous creatures in the beginning how did we come to latch on to this concept of monogamy and and really only with like kind of quotations around it? Because, of course, it was like, well, you know, back in the day, men could fuck whoever they wanted. And they had this wife who needed to not fuck anybody else for paternity and legal and property reasons, all that bullshit. 
All of that and more is in Sex at Dawn. Highly recommend. So I hit up Dr. Justin Laymiller. He's He's been on this podcast before, I think in 2020, maybe early last year. He's got a book out called Tell Me What You Want. He studied exactly this. He has studied sexual fantasies. How prevalent are they? Why are they? How do we talk about them? And according to his research, he, I mean, he said watching the wife or the girlfriend with another man or other men was in the top 10 sexual fantasies. It's super common, super, super common. Justin's research suggests maybe half, if not more than half of heterosexual men have this fantasy. The precise number he came up with was 52% or 53%, but basically saying it's that common. And uh, uh, Justin also sent me a link to an episode of his podcast. I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, It's him with Dr. David Lay, also past guest of the pod. And they shared a variety of reasons men get into this, okay? Some of those reasons are shared in the book I recommended, Sex at Dawn. There may be some evolutionary psychology around this, okay? Some of it involves the idea of sperm competition. Your body, not, or your, not even your conscious mind, but just like you having this urge and wanting to fuck the other competing sperm out of her vagina. They call it displacement. You want to displace the other cum so that your cum can reach the end goal and create a baby and lineage and paternity and all that bullshit. Okay. Some people enjoy it not for those reasons. You know, some enjoy the humiliation aspect. Some people don't want to, some people want to feel inadequate. You know, some that, that kind of goes more into the cuck holding world where it's like, you're getting off on someone else fucking your wife and how you can't fuck her. You're never going to be enough for her. Some enjoy it because it's like live porn in your bed. Some are like, gosh, I would love to watch people fuck. It's kind of difficult and expensive to watch other people fuck. Well, if someone else fucks my lady in front of me, I then get to watch people fuck. So for some people, it's that aspect. It's kind of more voyeuristic. Some people feel hotter for having such a hot wife that other people want to fuck her. That created the hot wife fetish, (laughs) which is like, man, my chick's so hot. All these people want to bang her. I like watching people bang her because it like reminds me how hot my wife is. And then if my hot wife is really hot, that like boosts my self-esteem and ego vicariously. So so for some people, it's, it comes from that world. There are plenty of reasons why men would want to watch their wife or partner or girlfriend with other men. Whatever your reason or reasons are, what is important is that you know that there is nothing wrong with having this fancy man. All right, George, George, you listening? Nothing wrong with having this fancy. Even if it weren't super common, it would be super valid. Yet, it is super common to want to watch your partner fuck other men. What I'm trying to say, George, is there's 100% nothing wrong with you jerking off to the thought of me fucking your wife. Enjoy yourself, sir. And if you have a comment, a question, a criticism, anything, and all things, you can email me at manwhorepod at gmail.com. Before I get to David Pevsner and all things daddy, let's do a fan whore appreciation moment. Okay. This is the part of the podcast where I have to give a shout out to some of the members of my fan whore community on Patreon. And right now, I want to give a shout out to Miss Melissa. I don't know if Miss is short for mistress, but if it is, I'm glad I've been such a good boy to earn your support. Thank you oh so much, Miss Melissa. (laughs) And you too can support the podcast and tell me I'm such a good boy for as little as $2 a month on Patreon. 
If you're someone who doesn't like those like recurring monthly, those monthly debits have you think, we do offer annual memberships and I offer a 5% discount for an annual membership. You pay it all up top right away. Enjoy the rewards all year long. Become a member today. Support the whore you love at patreon.com slash podcast. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash podcast. Or download the Patreon app and find me on there. And now for David Pevsner. The Toronto Star says that he is a leader in a senior citizen erotica. Oh, my. David was fun to talk to. He's got, he's got a lot of stories to share. Let's go chit-chat with David Pevsner. So you've got your... I, I, so I, got the, I get the press copy. I get a copy of your book, mm-hmm. Damn Shame. A, uh, a memoir of desire, defiance, and show tunes. We love a good subtitle over here. <laughs> and, you know, it, it, for those unfamiliar, you know, if you get like a copy of a book from like a publicist or someone who's trying to, pro- you know, you just, there's sometimes usually like um, like the press release is tucked in there. Uh, maybe like another page with some blurbs from other authors or celebrities. You got Alan Cummings shouting it out. Sick. Yeah, really nice. But then also tucked in the back of your book is something I can't say. Uh, is normally in in the press books I get, and there was this other insert, cock. Yeah, there's a lot of cock. Did I? Uh, I I was I was not. I did not know. I thank God I was not on the subway. I. Uh, <laughs> this is the first press book that came with a separate package just of uh, nudes. Uh, I'm not even sure if I'm supposed to be upset by that, but uh, <laughs> I hope you're not. <laughs> no, I was just like I was like I was, Should there be a trigger warning? Like, hi, there's going to be. Uh, well, they're, yeah. they're oh, wow. I didn't even see the one on the back, which is just a full page of schlong. So uh, very nice work. <laughs> well, the thing is, there kind of is a warning because there's two photo sections. The first one is kind of like, you know, the PG one where it's, you know, just my life and stuff that I talk about, whatever. And then later mm. in the book, there's the second one, which is the kind of my er- my journey as an erotic model. And the first page, I talk about how you know, we weren't allowed to have erections. And if you're not, if this isn't something you want to see, feel free to move on. I'm not here to like, you know, offend anybody, but that's, we're allowed to have erections in, in what? In the book. Because well, I no, have, I, are, the, are these pictures in the book? They're all in the book. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I must, I think I have a copy that maybe that they hadn't put yeah. in the, I just thumbed through it to be like, was there, um, no, the two okay. Photos- so these are, yeah, those so two these are in when are, people buy it. People yes. who buy this book can see your dick too, as an included. Ad, a, we call that a value add, right? Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, but so this is just because. Okay, that makes more sense. Right. I thought you were just like, just hey, you know what? For if it helps us get New York Times, let's throw in, let's throw in some nudes in there. Uh, no, it's the, because <laughs> because part of the the you know the the thing of the book is like. There's so much shame uh, attached to, you know, our bodies and nudity and like, oh, no, his dick. Like, I, I'm I just I'm just so sick of it. And I want to kind of like normalize it a little bit more and, you know, appreciate, you know, put it out there for people to appreciate who want to appreciate. And if you don't want to see it, that's fine. Sure. That's fine. But then don't come at me and call me like a slutty whore just because my dick's on the Internet or in the book. You know, especially because you're like, but I am a slutty whore, but I don't think we're saying that in the same way. <laughs> no, we're not. It, it's just, it's just, it's, it, you know, nudity has always just, it's, I always say it just has gobsmacked me how 
America has such a problem with nudity and especially the male penis. All my life, I've been like, why? I was so ashamed of it. I was covered up, you know, I like, you know, having to undress in the, in the locker room just freaked me out. I didn't want to be an actor. I wanted to be an actor, but I didn't think I could because if I had to share a dressing room with somebody, it was going to just absolutely kill me. And when you were younger, like what or who was the source of your bodily shame? Well, there, you know, when I was a kid, we used to go to like, we, we used to have vacations and we'd go to the pool or go to the beach. And whenever I would take off, like I would always, always have these very tasteful little matching trunks and jacket, you know, in the 60s. And so I would take the jacket off and my bare chest would be there. And I was like, you know, six, seven, eight years old. And my sisters would point at me and go, woo, 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 woo. And I was kind of like, oh, it made me want to cover up because I was like, I felt like I wasn't just shirtless at the beach. I felt like I was naked, mm-hmm. you know, and people were watching me and judging me and, and I was skinny and, and just, and you know, it just, I was a very sensitive kid. So that was part of it. But then gym class, you know, where you get the big, the big guys beating up on the skinny guys and in the locker room, look, you know, pointing at you and going, you know, like tweaking your tits and going like, Ooh, you, you got no tits. Like, you know, just little stupid things that people do that they don't realize how hurtful they are, but you're, they're doing it to me. They're doing it to me once, but I've had it done to me. I don't know how many times over those years and it builds up and it makes you feel shitty about yourself. Then, you know, so I I spent most of my, you know, early adult years being kind of a thinner guy. I was, da- I was dancing. I was, you know, and then finally, and I felt like, okay, but I also didn't have great self-esteem about my body through most of it because in the gay community, I was seeing, you know, especially in the eighties where because of AIDS, you know, there was this uh, kind of movement for guys to be really buff and shaved and shiny looking and whatever, because it was kind of a a backlash against looking ill. Yeah. Scruffy. I'm going to show you how not sick I am. Exactly. Exactly. And and I'm not just saying that, like I researched that that's the truth. Um, And so I kind of wanted to be that, but I was, I didn't go to the gym or anything. And, and, and I, I went after the guys with the great bodies because I was kind of hoping that's what I would one day become. And then I started to work out and we started going three, four hours a day at a time. And, you know, I lost myself in that for a while, that it was all about all my self-esteem was in my biceps, you know, oh, God. Um, and I, I did the protein shakes and I built myself up as much as I could. And I slept my way across America when I was on tour, you know, because I could. And then... I, I tell some stories in the book that kind of grabbed me by the chin and said, smarten up, you know, getting involved in, um, I was a, a male escort for a while. Mm-hmm. And for somebody who was like, I can't sleep with anybody who doesn't have a great body. That's not the best job to have if you mm-hmm. can't, because most of my <laughs> clients were not that. Yeah. But it gave me a whole nother perspective on men because I found that there were guys who were just really sweet or really nice or really, you know, they really needed caretaking of some kind, whether it was sexual or just chatting. And it really made me look at men in a different way. And it changed me. You know, when you're, when you're an escort, you have to kind of make an immediate connection. There's only an hour. Usually there's just an hour to kind of like make it happen. And I wasn't just, you know, I did it the way I do everything. I'm I'm very thoughtful. I'm very sensitive about stuff. And yeah, sometimes they want to just like, you know, 
pull them down, stick it in, and let's get out of here. And that was fine. But most of the time, there were other elements to it. And it kind of played into every ele- every aspect of my personality, the caretaker, the, the comedian, mm-hmm. the uh, entertainer, the sex pig. Mm-hmm. You know, it. I just found it to be, I was just very well suited for the job. And part of it was, I I know that from a low self-esteem point of view, I wanted to prove that I was the kind of man that somebody would pay money to have sex with. You know, there was a part of me that want, that's why I went to the interview in the first place with the, with the guy who owned the agency. I wanted to see if I could be that kind of guy. Yeah. Um, there's, there's like a, there's an ego trip to having like a, I mean, this is why my dreams of being a true whore and anytime I've gone to even tap nominally into it, I'm always thrilled because like there's this, as someone who's had his own body issues to have a dollar amount assigned to my body felt so like validating and awesome. Like the first month I did only fans, I made my rent and it was yeah. just like, okay, I guess like if I want to hate my body, I can, but I got to respect it. Cause it just brought in rent money. So like I got, yeah. I, there, there's maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> well, no, here's, here's the thing. And, and I was just talking, I was just reading about an, an ex, um, an ex escort and porn star. He has like a blog and I was reading and it's this very anti escorting. Like if you, if you have the low self-esteem that you need to do this, da, 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 da. and it was really like negative. And I was reading it going like, well, that just was not my experience, my personal experience. Yeah. And so I kind of went, yeah, I mean, there may have been low self-esteem issues that drove me to it in a certain respect, but it was still a job. It was a job I enjoyed doing and it was a job I felt I did well. And so, yes, did I keep it a secret from people? Yeah, because you never know how people are going to react to it. I had friends who were like, that's great. Just be careful. Just don't get into yeah. any trouble, you know. But, but it like also I, wasn't like today where like a lot of people are doing sex work and people are starting to get a little more comfortable knowing a friend who does a thing, you know. Like, right. like at this point, who who doesn't know a chick who tried to be a foot model for a hot minute, right? Like. So like I know a lot of chicks who have tried to sell panties and failed, uh, <laughs> like, you know, with the Internet, sex works making sex works a little more accessible. And there are various gradients of it that so many have tried it that it's, um, you know, it's a little less taboo than it was when when you were doing it. It is. But there's still that kind of um, icky stench, icky stench to it sure. that that like, you know, the, they'll make a joke like, yeah, oh, I met this guy at a party. Ugh, what a jerk. And he had an OnlyFans page like. Like that kind well, of. Well, that's just a guy who's pissed that he might have to pay to see some nudes. No, you know, that's, just, that's just entitlement attitude. <laughs> could be, could be. I, I just, I just think that there's something about sex work that, like, there's, there's such a hypocrisy about it because you'll pay for it, you'll watch the porn, but then you'll degrade the guy who does it. Yeah. And I think, I think gay porn stars are kind of really brave because they're doing it so publicly. Um, not necessarily using their names. So I understand, you know, with the, the other lives people have, but they're doing something publicly that people point at them and say, well, you know, conventional wisdom is you're never going to get a job. You can't be a teacher. You'll never be an actor. You know, never be president. This is my job. Like this is my job. Like yeah. back off. Right. <laughs> that. And, but, but for the ones who, who aspire to, who are doing it to make money, to be able to do other stuff, you know, I think mm-hmm. it just, I just don't understand why it's an issue. And so that's one of the reasons why I, I started post, I I'd been an erotic model for years, but the photos were not really going anywhere. They were just between the photographer and me. And sometimes in a book or something like that. But 
around the time that Barack Obama was running for president, the conservatives were coming out like, you know, not only not only racially were they being horrible, but then they just started on all of the um, minorities, gay people and sex and uh, and the, you know, the fundamentalists were coming out mm-hmm. and porn is this. What? And that's when I was like, you know what? Fuck this shit. I'm really tired of it. So you you have a problem with gay. You have a problem with nudity, whatever. Then I'm going to give you fucking gay and I'm going to give you fucking nudity. And that's when I started posting the photos on Tumblr. Mm-hmm. And it was great because started people because I was older at the time. I'm still, you know, I'm 62 now. When I started, he's still, he's still older. Everyone, uh, he's he still did, older. He did, not, and he did not Benjamin Button this. I did not. I'm not going backwards. I'm not going, back, but I'm trying to like keep it together. But I was, you know, in 2013 when I first posted on Tumblr, I was um 50, you know, 49, 50 years old, mm-hmm. and I had been. I'd been posing for the last 10 years before that, and even 20 years before that, a few times. So I had like this backlog of stuff, and I always treated it as an art project. Yeah, there was a total sexuality to it, and some of it was blatantly sexual, but some of it was very artsy and and kind of interesting, and that's how I started putting it out there. And I started getting messages from people on my Tumblr blogs who were my age saying like, thank you for doing this. I always feel so shitty about myself and, you know, to, I'd like to not feel any body shame. And, you know, you're, you're inspiring me to go and like, you know, just take my clothes off or maybe take some pictures just for the fun of it. Or, you know, just whatever's going to make you feel better about who you are inside and out. Sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a shell thing. It's like, I just want my shell I want to feel better about my shell, whether I'm yeah. a little hefty, whether I'm a little thin, whatever the case. You know, I, I just remember this guy that I was on tour with, and he was not what you would say was the most attractive guy in the world, you know. Um, but he was really gregarious, he was really friendly, he was really sweet. And we would go to bars because we, you know, we were like all gay in one of the shows. We'd go to bars and he would leave with the best looking guy in the bar. Every time. Yeah. Because it's what it comes down to is confidence. If you have confidence, however you are, you know, that's that's the key. I, I write about I write about people in um, for, when you've been to foreign countries and you see like on the beaches and you see kind of like, you know, heavy set women in little bikinis or, you know, guys with a paunch wearing a speedo, whatever, and they're going about their business and having a great time and playing with the kids and this. They don't care. They're not like, well, I can't wear a Speedo because I don't have a six pack or my, my, my breasts are really big. So I better not wear that bathing suit. They don't care. They just go about their lives, enjoying themselves. And they don't give a shit what anybody thinks about them in a fucking bathing suit. Mm-hmm. And that's not how You're we sounding- are here. You are you are living up to your press releases promise that you are pro nudity. Why are we even doing this interview with clothes on? Uh, that's that's. <laughs> but I do. I mean, I'm not like like be naked all the time. There's you know there's appropriate times. There's you know there are times when it's you know like not funerals, a, um, funerals. You know, maybe dress wear up for that. Wear a black speedo. You know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, wear black bra, nothing else. Mm-hmm. You're fine. No, but you know, it's I'm I'm not out to like offend the people who don't want to see it. But I also think that um, it's it's aimed at the people who do. So if sure. you happen to come to my OnlyFans page and start to criticize me for what I'm doing, it's not for you. Right, right. You don't, don't need to, to the be page. there, and then you don't need to go and you know just 
knock it down and knock down anything. If you don't want to see it, fine. I question why you don't want to see it, but if you don't, then move on. You're also one of the you're also one of the few guests who uh, who I <laughs> who not only also have an OnlyFans page who have gone over to check out my OnlyFans page. I did. <laughs> what what'd you think? I think it's you can great. Be real. Well, but see, I mean, it, because I'm you know I'm gay, so you know I'm not like I I, I just look anybody you can speak freely. I'm not. I am not a sensitive straight. Well, I'm very, I just, I just, I just joined it like a couple days ago and, you know, to say hi. So I think I've only seen one video of yours and it was, yeah, good for you. You were getting it. Good for you. Uh, Most people reach out to say, hi, looking forward to the interview. They do that like on Instagram and email, but you were like, no, let me go where the dick pics are at and say hello. Why not? Because I'm just so like when when I find out like I have a couple of other friends who have OnlyFans pages or just for fans pages, and I go like I just kind of trip on it and go good for them because you know especially in the pandemic, what a great way if it's a great way to make a living, but you have to be just like I would tell anybody, be a you know have some foresight, understand that what you put out there. Even on OnlyFans, I've gotten things stolen that people put out onto other websites. And I wish they- someone would fucking steal my porn. <laughs> you know, like what a compliment. I mean, I know if you're doing it uh, full time, if it, it, at scale, it's probably annoying. But uh, gosh, it would make me feel pretty uh, if just one time. Not, I don't well, want it to be well, an epidemic. Of well, how long have you had like- your page? How long uh, like the year and a half. Give it time. Give it time. Give it time. Give it time. Yeah, I just I would love to it. stumble upon something and be like, these motherfuckers stole my thing. But gosh, look at how many upvotes it got. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. damn it. These motherfuckers. But like, look, the people love it. They're all saying nice things. This is great. Uh, <laughs> tell I'm me, all for uh, it. Tell me about being a male escort for mm-hmm. other men during the AIDS crisis at the peak of yeah. AIDS. Um. You know, that was always something I was hyper, hyper aware. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there were things I wouldn't do. I was definitely safe sex all the time. Like what even um, made you start escorting? I saw an ad in HX magazine, which was this free, like a gay rag that they okay. used to have in New York City. Um, Homo Extra, it was called. And in the back, <laughs> they would have ads and it would be like personal ads and this and that. But there was an ad for an, an escort agency called Maturity Escorts. And I was 36 at the time. And it was so something. Mature. Yeah. <laughs> well, at the time, 36 was like, you know, daddy. It was like, really? It was like, really? Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I don't want to be daddy yet. <laughs> because, you know, when you thought of a male escort back then, you were like, well, he's 22. You know, he looks like GQ model, big dick, you know, whatever. Porn star. Well, I had, you know, I'd been building myself up and I was pretty um, uh, sexually fluid. You know, not fluid. I was just having a lot of sex. Um, And I kind of had always been interested in, could I be that guy that somebody would pay to have sex with? So I went to the interview, not even really intending to do it, but just to see, you know? Mm. So I went and I had this interview with this guy and it was really, it was eye opening because it wasn't, I sat in my underwear in his apartment as he interviewed me. And it was, um, he kind of was like, giving me an education on what it was going to be like. He's like, if you want everybody to look like a movie star and everybody have a 10 inch cock and this, that, the other thing, it's not going to happen for the most part, but there's going to be things about these guys that are going to surprise you 
and you have to be there for them. You know, so, so it was the kind of thing where I went to this interview, I walked away going, I think he's going to call me. And he did. And I started what, working. What did for you him. have to do? Did you have to do anything in the interview? Did you have to, uh, I did um, demonstrate uh, all I had to do was, well, actually he was very like sweet and respectful. He didn't really ask except for me to, to you know, be in my underwear. Sure. But I said to him, do you need to see my dick? And he was like, okay. So, <laughs> like, so I went not, and I not gonna this. say no, but like yeah. uh, not a requirement. <laughs> right. And it's a very it's a very funny story in the book about like the details of of this interview. It's pretty funny and very uncomfortable, but in a in a kind of funny way. But like I showed it to him and you know, it was um I, I just I can't like sometimes I think back and I go, How did I have the guts to just go to this guy's apartment and take off my underwear and you know and be like Hey, didn't touch me. Didn't try to do anything. You know, he was just like, okay, well, you know, it's, it's, um, uh, 200 bucks. I get 50. Was it 150? I can't remember what it was now. It's in the book. I had 200 bucks and he gets, got 50 of it, but I was like, okay. And then two nights later I got my first call and it's not like Mm -hmm. I did it every night all the time because I was older and it wasn't an audience that everybody wanted, you know, um, but it was enough to kind of get me through and give me a great experience and story that I eventually wrote. And it led to this relationship, which led to tumult, which mm-hmm. led to a big change in my life and how I s- connect with people, with men, um, people, really people in general, you know, having the confidence to own your choices, whatever they are, is really difficult when people judge you. Mm. And I was always what, very sensitive to judgment. Yeah. Were, were, were there a lot a lot of anxieties about sexual health, uh, you know, about HIV? Oh, I was just was really like, careful. I mean, yeah. did I, did I, yeah, I, I mean, I worried about it, but there was only one time where I walked away going, oh shit, oh shit. It's where I was topping him and my rubber broke. Yeah. Uh, and I, I asked about him and he was like, yeah, I don't even know my status. So I was just like, okay, that was the one time where I walked away, like freaking out. Yeah. But Cause like today there's so many things that people freak out about with sexual health. And, and I, you know, I think, oh, well, when you're more educated, you freak out less. That's how I freak out less. But you know, when I read about and just hear about what was going on back there and just also the lack, especially in the eighties where it's like, we don't even really know or understand what this how, is. Yet. Yeah. I don't know how anyone was fucking. I was like, would I be fucking? I don't think I would. Like, well, I, I, that's how I was. I, I, I was very. Once I became aware of it, I was like, not going to do that. Not going to do that. Certainly not as a bottom. And as a bottom, it it hurt too much early on. So I did, just didn't do it because I was like, I can't do it. Yeah. So I think that's what got me through all those years of you know just not bottoming. Mm-hmm. But eventually. Of course, you know, <laughs> your, your, your desires change. And it was just a matter of using rubbers. And I remember one time, I think it was Harvey Firestein was on like Larry King or something. <laughs> and and Larry said something about, you know, uh, well, I hear about men having like 3,000 partners. I hear about men just <laughs> going around like that. With his suspenders. And Harvey was like, you know, having 3,000 partners and this, that, the other thing. And of course, they're going to get AIDS. And, and Harvey, I remember Harvey said something like, you can have 3,000 partners. You just have to be careful. You have mm-hmm. to be safe. And you won't get AIDS. You can have as many partners as you want. But if you're careful, you won't get AIDS. 
And I was like, well, okay. I mean, that, that's like, there's hope there. Mm. So really I made my rules back then and I pretty much have stuck to them in terms of what I will and won't do. You know, um, I still use rubbers, which isn't, sure. you know, not, not every gay man does. And it's just not for me, you know, for sure. me, it's, I'm still a rubbers guy. Yeah. What was the culture like during the 80s while all while people's friends are dropping dead left or right? What was it like to go out to a gay bar in like 85? You know, we went and we flirted and we hooked up. But I think, you know, there was just that Paul over it, you know, and especially like I remember any time I heard about a friend dying, I was like, I'm never going to the bars again. You know, I'm never having sex again. But you know, you can't live your life that way. And so if you feel like you have a hand, finally, we did have a hand on like how to handle it, wear a rubber, you know, like th- th- that was like the main thing. Um, In your subtitle, you know, you got the word defiance there. And like, it seemed like when I hear stories, it seems like there was an element of um, wanting to defy a virus to be like, I am not going to let a virus stop me from enjoying sex. But like, then there's also the virus can also be a source of shame, right? Uh, well, the virus for, can remind you of like who you are and who you love and who you like to fuck. And in the eighties, that was not very kosher. Well, I mean, I, I definitely colored for years. I mean, just hyper, hyper safe. Sure. Sometimes, you know, like when I would be with somebody, they're like, no, it's okay. I'd be like, no, it's not okay. And especially since I don't know you very well and we're having essentially a one night stand, don't tell me how to have sex because I have to wake up with myself tomorrow morning and look at myself in the mirror and wonder what the hell did I just do? And so, that makes me not want, I'd be like, I wouldn't want to fuck the person even with the rubber at that point. Like I've definitely like lost interest in, in women or I've seen like an ad and be like, oh, well, if you wanted to do it bareback, I mean, I don't really want to fuck you with the condom. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough thing because I think it is a truly a case by case thing. You know, Um, I used to be just of the last few years, I used to be like, if you have bareback in your profile, then let's not, don't contact me. Well, you know, it's a pretty prevalent thing. And I'm like, okay, well, as long as you, if you will use rubbers with me, then we're great. We're fine. Mm -hmm. You know, but if you want me to, to bareback, I don't do that. Sure. You know, you, uh, I, I did thumb through the book. I, I know I told you before we got on, I was like, I have not read the, I've completed it, but I, I poked around and read some pages. Uh, and one of the, one of the pages I just happened to open to, I think was the beginning of the jagged little pill chapter, uh, which opens with, uh, it's a more, more recent story mm-hmm. of having sex with someone, your condom broke and like that exchange, but not in that era, but the present day where we have prep, where we have drugs, where people can have undetectable viral loads. Um, but even now, there's still definitely like stigma and lack of education around that. Right. So like when your condom breaks and he says he's positive, like what's the what are you feeling? What was your emotion? Well, back then, I mean, I, I, this it was more recent, but that was right. still more maybe recent 16, than the 80s. And 90s, right. Yeah. This was more. This was like 16, 17 years ago. And oh, really, Wait, oh, we've had prep that long. Oh, no, no. I wasn't on prep at the time. Oh, no. I was talking about the guy. You, you, your con breaks on me. He says it's okay because I'm undetectable. This was before I didn't know if prep. that was going on then. Oh, okay. no, this was before prep. And what I didn't know at the time was that if you were undetectable, you couldn't pass on the virus. So right. at the time, I didn't know that. All I heard, I didn't hear I'm, I'm HIV positive and undetectable. All you I heard, heard was HIV I'm HIV positive. positive. Yes, exactly. Right. And it's like panic. So I walked away and he was, and he was even saying to me, you know, my doctor says, you know, there's, you don't have to worry about it. It's I said, okay, well, your doctor says, but what about me? So I left there and I was flipping out. But, mm-hmm. but first of all, I was the top 
he was undetectable. Chances are there was like a, you know, 0% chance of me contracting HIV. But I was so, so, so many years. Look, you live through the 80s where they tell you essentially you're going to die if you have sex the wrong way. And then you see people who actually do die and not only die, but go through these horrible, horrible periods of just, you know, just debilitating illness that you look at and you go, oh, my God, how are they getting through this? Mm-hmm. And, and then they're gone. It tends to leave a little bit of a scar. Yeah. And not that's something serious, that's that, like cultural trauma. That's that's trauma. that's a shared trauma among millions of men you've never met, but you all share a trauma, right? And but especially you, guys you of my up, generation from right. That so time. then, when you hook up with these youngins because you look like daddy squared, you look like if you took a daddy with another daddy and be like, how do we make like super daddy? And then we get David Pevsner. So it's like <laughs> you, you hook up with these younger dudes, like they don't know, and so like. There's there's one element of we want to remove stigma and shame around people who are HIV positive and undetectable and and doing all you know taking right. um, their condition responsibly, um, but that doesn't change that there are there's a couple generations of dudes who just that is always going to be this traumatizing trigger. It's war. To it was hear war. That. And it was war, and we and it was we were judged, and we didn't get support. The president, you know, Ronald Reagan, uh, Ed Koch, all these people who were just in so den- so much denial of it because at the time it was just the gays. It's only the gays. Who cares? Like they mm-hmm. they couldn't wait to see us dead. It felt like, and so um, we we had to fight that. We had to fight for our own health and our own lives and our own rights to have sex. Um, you know, it was just really it was tough, but we got through it together. And not just the, the gay men, but lesbians were great and supportive. And those of us who had families, like my mom was afraid for me through most of it. You know, I know that she was. And I kept trying to tell her, like, Ma, I am so hyper, hyper, hyper safe. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to get into conversations about like, look, when he puts his dick in my asthma, I keep checking the condom. I check it 52 times. You know, I'm not going to get into that conversation with my mom, who is no longer with us. May she rest in peace. And I loved her. Um but it was just, it was a really tough time. And so there, I tell a little story in the book about when the normal heart, the TV. Um, uh, right, right, right. Uh, Mark Ruffalo. Great, Mark great, Ruffalo. Uh, check it out, everybody. H- yeah. I think that's an HBO property. Yeah, with Matt Bomer and Mark Ruffalo. And it's, you know, it's a, the normal heart's a great play, but I thought it was a really good um, adaptation. And I had, I remember I was talking to some young guy, some guy in his twenties, like I said, did you see the normal? I go, Oh God, it was so over the top. He goes, all that stuff that happened is just, it was one thing after another. It was so, I was like, no, bro, it was over the top. It was over <laughs> I the was top. there. <laughs> it was over the top. You would have this parade of guys of, of either guys who were like, you know, they found out that they're HIV positive, they have AIDS or they are so fucking scared because of something that that happened you know the rubber broke or you know he came in his eye or whatever at the time we were just like oh my god it was hard to be feel free and i mean there were guys who were able to do it you know but i was not somebody who just was like oh this is easy i've gotten past it i can you know have sex and then move on i was wasn't that way for me through much of my you know, time in New York. What, what do you think of the current, the, what do you think of the, what are your thoughts on the younger generations of gay and queer men that are out there today? Well, I think they're kind of amazing in that it's not an issue 
for them to kind of be their authentic selves for the ones who are able to do it. Sure. Sexually, um, I worry a little bit about forgetting what happened with HIV and AIDS and with PrEP and everything that it's making people a little more, you know, uh, I worry just about what could the next thing be? But that's me being an old Jewish mom, you know? Sure, sure. Um, I mean, there's that, that, that antibiotic strain of uh, of gonorrhea that floats around. And, you know, it's like, hey, that HIV was not the only thing we're exactly, trying to protect from. Exactly. But I also, um, you know, I think that they're, they're great. I mean, I see the guys being just t- so totally on TikTok and, and, and Facebook and Instagram, just, you know, letting their freak flags fly. And it's so... Wonderful because you know when I was a kid, if I wore a pink shirt, they would make fun of me. You know, mm-hmm. they would point and make fun of me. So the fact that you know people can do it, but I also worry about the kids who don't live in towns that allow for stuff, and you know that they get the sense that if they can just get through it and get out of there, or at least you know get that self-esteem and that authenticity that maybe they're not getting from their family or their church or their school, that it is out there to find, but it's a little difficult for some of them. And, and, you know, teen suicide, gay suicides as, as teenagers, the numbers have been up. So, you know, it's not like we're out of, we're out of the woods when it comes to being gay and having self-esteem and, and being totally accepted. It's Mm -hmm. not a hundred percent. And no matter what you see in the media, you know, oh, you know, 52 gay characters on TV. Yay. Well, how many of them are actually having sex? And if they did, then what would you think? It's okay to be gay. But if the minute you think about a man with another man, ew, you know, there's still yeah. that attitude out there. And I don't care what anybody says. It's getting a little better. I mean, you know, there are certain shows on HBO and in, in the media where we're getting to see a little bit more real interaction. The same interaction between men that we see between men and women. All we're asking for is equality. Yeah. Um, but and kids have more role models, which is fantastic, you know, gay role models. But mm. we can't forget that it's just like HIV has not has not gone away. Homophobia has not gone away. And mm. kids who sometimes are stuck where they are and don't know what to do, don't know who to ask, I those are the ones I worried about. I worry about. You know, one of the pages I also thumbed to and was checking out in your book was was the end because uh, until I get to read it in full, I was like, well, let's see how what's where is he at at the end of this book here. Uh, it, it seems sweet, like you also uh, are a slutty man who would love to find love. Uh, I did check, like you are still currently single, so uh, we're, we're still looking out there. But you know, there's a few things that seem to be going on. There's the sluttiness, but there's also age. Mm-hmm. That uh, seems to would probably play a factor in your dating life. And so, yeah. so what is, how have you been finding, how have you been uh, marrying those concerns? How are you seeing them play out? What is dating for you like these days? Uh, you can include two years ago because that feels like last week sometimes. Yeah. So yeah, over the last few years, like what's it like to date as a 61, 62, you said? I'm 62 and I'll be 63 at the end of the week. Oh my gosh. Okay. So like New Year's becoming your New Year's Eve baby. I am. Oh, very fun. So, so like being a a soon to be 63 year old gentleman, like what is dating like for you? Well, I've never been a real dater. I'm kind of a loner in a certain respect, Mm -hmm. you know, um, 
I have, I'm the perennial bachelor. Uh, my friends know me as that. I think they would flip out if they ever saw me like with somebody, you know, I'm usually show up stag. I, I just, for years after that relationship that I talk about in the book, I didn't want to, to date. I didn't want to have a boyfriend. It was just too painful and too, you know, uh, like I said, it was a shit show, but taught me a lot. Um, I don't, especially these last two years, you know, have I been dating? No, 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 no. I haven't even been hooking up much, you know? Um, it really at all. I do. I film some stuff with a filmmaker who has a few models that were kind of bubbling. So we've shot some videos for OnlyFans that way. But mm-hmm. um, I'm a little reticent still about just getting out there and you know sucking up somebody's COVID, <laughs> even though you know I'm boosted and vaxxed. But um, yeah, ages. There's. I talk about ageism a lot in the book because as I have gotten older, um, you know. There's there's two schools of the, of younger guys. The younger guys who are like, ew, gross, disgusting, puke, awful, gross. Who wouldn't want to touch that? Sagging, disgusting, wrinkled, ugly. You know, put a shirt on, put your pants on. I don't want to see that saggy dick. I did. There's that. But then there are the ones who are like, oh, daddy, mm-hmm. oh, I love an older man, or I like some, I like some lines on the face. I like the fact that you're not like you know hard body guy, but you're like a real man who wear you know whatever. So I kind of take it and go like, okay, nothing surprises me. Like if, if and I and I usually if there's a usually guys my age don't approach me because mm-hmm. they're either taken or they're looking for younger guys. So sure. I'm. I'd love to meet somebody my own age. I just really don't. Yeah, absolutely. But younger guys are the guys who come on to me. Reminisce about ABBA together. Exactly. You know? <laughs> I was never an ABBA fan, but we could we could play our Streisand records together. Sure. <laughs> records, <laughs> not not CDs. Records. Um, <laughs> there are people listening who don't know what either of those things are. <laughs> Streisand, Streisand, or records. Yeah. Um, but see, I remember I was I was we weren't dating. Um, I met this guy in my um, acting class and he was a singer. Uh, I was in a film that I was the lead in and they were having a screening in like Burbank and he wanted to come. So I was like, well, I'll drive you. So so we went, we watched on the way home. He was telling me that his manager wanted him to listen to a different artist every day. And I said, well, have you listened to Barbara Streisand? He goes, I don't know who that is. I said, oh my God. So the, so the ride home from Burbank to, to his place in West Hollywood, I played like every Streisand, like all all really great Streisand stuff. And he just sat there and flipped out. I was like, see, you could learn something from the old guy. And he's Uh, like, well, you know, I, I, I want you to listen to more hip hop and more rap. And I was like, Okay, just playing. You something. know, you know, you were there. You were there when it burst out. Like, but he I doesn't was know. Sh- he I doesn't know sh- who Run DMC is. Right, right. <laughs> but I was, I was still, I was a sh- show tunes and Streisand. That's what I listened sure. to, you know. And <laughs> thank God I've changed all that. But, um, you know, I listened to other things too. But well, what would be your ideal relationship? You know, I used to think I wanted like what I saw in the movies, the big rom com, romantic, whatever. But you know what I would really love as I want somebody who, yes, I'm attracted to, you know, but I'm attracted to a lot more than I used to be in terms of I'm not that specific anymore. Somebody really smart and sensitive and funny that we can be partners, pay bills together, drive each other to the airport, like the simple things that like that my folks had, you know, 
I kind of yes, I I, I want I want the bedroom to be like amazing, and I want like maybe we'll go do it at a sex club or something. But but there's that basic stuff when when you get to be my age and you're kind of on your own, which I am. You start to think about like if I die in my apartment, nobody's going to know, and they'll find me when they smell me. And that's I my fear too. Yeah, it's a lot of people's fears, and as you get older. You know, you kind of go like, well, it could actually happen, even though, you know, you try to stay healthy. So I, I don't know. I think beyond just having like a really hot boyfriend, that's not really what I want. What I want is a partner. I want somebody that I'm comfortable with that, you know, that even though they may judge me, they don't judge me and um, make ultimatums about it. You know, because that's what I learned in that other relationship was I, I understand being judged. I understand if you don't like something that I did, I totally understand you going, I don't like that. But as I said before, I can't fucking change it. So you live with it or get the hell out. You know, I'm not going to have somebody talk to me the way he talked to me back then. And I think I'll know that pretty early on in a relationship because I see that in other people's relationships that have been together for years. Sometimes they're like, I see the love and I see the respect and they may get a little iffy with each other, but you can tell whatever. But then they're the ones who every word out of their mouth is bile. Ugh, I hate when you do that. And I'm like, why are you even here? Yeah, why? So much negativity. <laughs> so much negativity that I, I, I think that's part of my fear of getting into a relationship is just that, you know. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, but I'm on my journey. You know, my journey's pr probably taken longer than most. But it's an interesting story, that's for sure, <laughs> and it's all in the book. Yes, yes. And uh, and 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 last thing I have to ask is, do you get any um, age related custom requests on OnlyFans? Age related? Like, does anybody ever like, hey, I want you to do a custom where like you're my fill in the blank older role, and then talk yeah, to you like I mean, that? There's a lot of like older role model stuff. That people like, and I, I and one of the things Which I you do, can appreciate as an actor, like you're well, like I, I can. <laughs> I love I love when I when I film a role play, you know, and it's usually me talking to the camera as if the camera is you know whatever. Yeah, especially during you know COVID, I wasn't gonna like be shooting with people, but I like to come up with kind of a clever, you know, circumstance, and it usually involves an older guy, you know, like a coach or. Um, a businessman or something like that, because I know that, you know, there's a lot of younger guys on my, on my OnlyFans page and that's what they like. So, you know, I'm not going to get into certain things that, you know, just are iffy subject matter wise when it comes to older and younger, that's not what I want to do. But um, I think that there's something about the role play thing that I really enjoy, really enjoy shooting, especially when it comes to, you know, being the authority figure or whatever. Is there a favorite authority figure you like to play? Which one have I done that I really like? Oh, is, well, do you get? Is there one where, like, if you when you get that request, you're like, oh, thank God, because I love. I, it. I like I like Leather Daddy, Leather Be Daddy. Yeah, because I so st I step out of my myself a lot. Not only in the in the wearing of the leather and the taking off of the leather, but just you know, my language is just you know, it's. It's very dominant. It's very filthy. It's 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 letting that part out of me that's been inside me that, you know, 
I might have maybe used sometime like at a sex club years and years ago. But it's the thing about OnlyFans is it gives me the opportunity to kind of explore all these things that I have just kept hidden inside that I've always wanted to put out there. And so the leather daddy thing is pretty, you know, I get pretty filthy, even just, <laughs> even just talking to the camera, you know? Yeah. You, you sound just so, you sound so like even toned and calm and just very chilled out when you were just like, yeah, I get filthy sometimes. Hey, you know, yeah. uh, fuck around and find out. Cause he's, I'm just going to be like, my dick. ah, there it is. Okay. Spread, <laughs> spread your whole boy. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That one had a little bit of like a Sam Elliott thing going on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's fun, but it's really fun, and you know, I would never like get cast in that in in real life, like in a movie or anything. So, and I still act; I'm still an actor, you know. Mm-hmm. And I still, uh, mm-hmm. you know, audition for stuff. And right before COVID, I was in a show that we had to cancel because of COVID. So it's not like you know, oh, now I'm doing porn. I have to. I can't. No, it's. My whole thing is it shouldn't matter. So we'll see. Sure. We'll see how that plays out. Yeah, absolutely. I also uh, hope that we can both uh, just do some casual porn and pursue other arts. Uh, well, that should that should be how it is, actually. It, it, you know, <laughs> it's like I, I understand think. if it's a Disney property, but outside of that, like, come on, let's all chill out. Uh, you know, it's. <laughs> I was told I was actually a friend of mine who's a producer and director. I asked him about like, am I now not castable for you guys? Well, David, you know, most of what I do is for Disney. And I said, you know, I had an agent who dropped me who said, uh, you know, we can't we can't get you onto Disney and Nickelodeon shows. I was like, I don't care about being on, you know fucking hannah montana that's really not what i want to do anyway and i do believe that the people who i really want to work with wouldn't give a shit you know uh, here's hoping because you know what jenny fucking mccarthy so let's all relax <laughs> she's a woman uh, it's different for a woman it is it is different but david thank you so much for chatting with us um when when this comes out the book will be on shelves uh damn shame but david can you, you want to tell people where they can find you where they can get the book well, if you uh, you find me on Instagram, that's Deep Hevs on Instagram, Real Guy LA on Twitter, and also David Pevsner on Twitter. I'm also David Pevsner on Facebook, and OnlyFans is Real Guy LA. Because he's a real guy. That's what I, I started. You know, it's originally <laughs> I, I used that as my kind of hookup name on like you know Grinder and stuff like that or Dudes Nude, but I kind of just kept it as just. I just kept it because it, <laughs> I'd had it for so long. But anyway, it's very direct and it's very to the point. But also, just you know, just Google uh, "damn shame" David Pevsner, and you'll find it. There's a link tree um, with different places. It's different for different countries, sure, but sure. I think I think you'll really like it. If it's 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 quite a story, I have to say. It's almost kind of epic in its way. I look forward to reading it, sir. And uh, thank you for making time to chat with us. And you know, why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody? Thank you so much to you, Billy, and also to the audience out there. I hope you've enjoyed the conversation, and I hope you um, get a sense of what the book is going to be like. Wait, wait, can you can you also say can you say goodbye to us in, in that oh. leather daddy voice? Get the fuck out of here! <laughs> get out of my get out of here! No, come back, suck my dick! Yeah, yeah, fuck! Bye, bye now, bye now. <laughs> Oh boy, my podcation, it's almost over. Oh no. 
You know all the regular things, everybody. Follow me on the social media. I'm on Twitter at TheBillyPresida. I'm on Instagram at BillyIsPresida. I would love to know what you thought about this week's episode in the Champagne Room. Even more so, I would love to see you connect with like-minded listeners, with fellow fan whores, with other sex-positive individuals. I would love to see you explore your kink, ask questions about relationships, share a picture of your dog. And you can introduce yourself today at manwhorepod.com slash discord. If you want to connect intimately with yours truly, if you want to look into these baby blue eyes as you chit-chat and flirt with me and let me turn you on and help you get off, I'd love for you to slide into my DMs with a juicy little tip at OnlyFans.com slash CallMeBilly. And if you want to email me with your advice questions, with your comments about the show, you can send any and all that over to manwhorepod at gmail.com. Yeah, for me, you know, it is January 4th for me over here in Bushwick. But gosh, I hope by now, whenever you're hearing this, things are, are calming down a bit. I hope that the cases are going down, the hospitalizations are down. I hope the kids are okay. I'm really nervous about my baby niece, Chase. Gosh, I hope the kids are going to be okay because I want to start going to orgies again. And not for nothing, parents are some of the biggest hotties at these events. I'd hate to be missing out on them. Next Hacienda is hopefully going to be in February. And I, oh, I just really, I just want the things to come back. I'm done. I'm tired. If I can give an unsolicited piece of dating advice, if you're looking to come up with cute date ideas that are COVID safe and friendly, and maybe you've already watched all the shows and the movies with some with a loved one or a sexy partner, here's something. Here's a little flex. Here's something I did on New Year's Eve. Here's something I do like regularly in my relationship where grab like a favorite book of yours. Grab a book that like wowed you. Grab a book that blew your mind about something, and then like find an excerpt or two, read it to them. Whether it's something that's beautiful or something thought-provoking or something that speaks to your soul, reading an excerpt of a book that you love is such a hot flex. On New Year's Eve, I read I read my girl um, a portion of Perks of Being a Wallflower that expressed how special I think she is. But then I also read her an excerpt from Kate Lister's book, A Curious History of Sex, and just like about the origins of the word cunt. And I read her like really, really old medieval poetry about cunt. And she loved it. And then she put her cunt on my mouth. Be sexy, be literate, and stay slutty.